Hi, this is Charlie Goodchild and Andrew Goodall, and you're listening to the Health Space Podcast. This is the podcast where we dive deep into health-related questions and topical issues relevant to us all. The world of health and medicine is messy, full of contrasting opinions and misleading advice. We'll challenge the myths and common misconceptions by exploring the evidence, speaking to leading experts along the way. We are physiotherapists, have been friends since university and share the same belief that everyone deserves the opportunity to access high quality, up-to-date health information. When it comes to health, we believe that better never ends. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. This is episode number two, which is part one of a two-parter recorded with Ben Steele-Turner, aka Physiotrician, a friend of ours that we've met through Instagram. We recorded this one back towards the end of 2020 and due to a few technical issues or more like um, not being able to figure out how to use the um, sound editing software, um, it's taken us a little while to get this edited and in place. But uh, yeah, here we go. So this is part one of the two-parter where we, we're talking about supplements with Ben Steele-Turner. Here we go. Today, we've got a guest with us. His name is Ben Steele-Turner. He's come down to the Health Space Podcast HQ to answer some questions on supplements. The general gist of the chat today is, are supplements a health essential or just expensive pee? Uh, this is actually the first time we've met Ben, uh, although, weirdly, we've, we've spoken to him a lot on Instagram. We've had a lot of comments, a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of banter here and there on Instagram. Um but this is actually the first time we've met him, given the fact that, you know, pandemic uh, and the general uh, theme of Instagram being kind of this uh, social interaction. Yeah, strange. It's, it's quite embarrassing as well because he's turned up and this morning we were chomping down a McDonald's breakfast as well, given that Ben's this nutritionist expert. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'll just give you some context. My wife's pregnant and um, very sick. I've got the the bacon out of the fridge, opened the packet, and she basically vomited. So we had to, we had to call in some emergency supplies from McDonald's to settle that. So uh, yeah, apologies to Ben in advance that we're probably not practicing what we preach with the old health department. Uh, we've been interested in supplements for a long time. Um, you know, going back to the times when we were both at, uh, at university together in the gym, we'd always use like whey protein and mess around with like creatine and all these yeah. bits and bobs. Yeah, even things like multivitamins as a kid, and I think it's a top topic that in the past seemed a really obvious one. How can you make yourself more healthy and optimize your training gains? So we thought it was worth delving in on it, and we've we've even touched on the subject a couple of times on our Health Space Instagram account already. But um, once we realised we were going to be uh, exploring this in a bit more detail, we thought Ben was the perfect guy to get on. Yeah, and the thing for me is I'm interested in whether supplements can be part of a healthy diet or whether um, they potentially cause problems, don't cause problems, solve problems. Uh, I'm interested in um, what Ben's got to say on some of that. So uh, without further ado, let's dive in with Ben. Uh, welcome, Ben. Hello, thank you for having me, guys. Pleasure. So um, first question we thought would, I mean, it's let's let's tell everybody a little bit about who you are. So um, who are you? Uh, or tell us more about your journey, how you've got to be in, you know, this hybrid physio nutritionist pilates instructor uh six-pack extraordinaire uh, 
Uh, very much an amateur Pilates instructor. So basically, after or while doing um, my A-levels and decided I wanted to be a physio, already was kind of umming and ahhing that I, wouldn't, I wasn't certain I was going to make the grade to get into physio. So started training to be a personal trainer before and then ended up working as a personal trainer full time before doing physio. Went on to do the, the BSc undergrad physio at Bournemouth Uni uh, and then probably mid I think my second placement of second year which was an outpatient placement I became really aware of seeing people and just thinking well we're doing all this and then they're going to go home and uh, their mum's going to treat them to a, a McDonald's right after and I was just you know it, it kind of felt a bit silly that we were trying to get the, these best benefits and actually there was a massive factor that was not even being addressed and through uh, my um, bodybuilding and uh, physique competing, I was really interested in nutrition. So I just did loads of research and then I kind of wasn't really done with studying. So as soon as I finished physio, I went straight back to University of Surrey and did a master's in human nutrition, um, which uh, in nutrition allows you to then join the AFN, which is like the CSP for physio. So that's like the, the governing body. So that gives you the registered associate nutritionist status rather whereas physiotherapy is a protective term um nutritionist anyone can call themselves a nutritionist right um so that's just like a little bit of a label that you're is there a is there anyone in particular you'd say that's had a, a an influence on your career anyone that stands out as being a big influence anyone particularly or would it be a group or uh, peers at uni i was very very lucky i think as you two were to have an incredibly good very close group of friends at uni who are all uh uh, while I was doing my physio and, and and masters as well, who definitely pushed us all to be the best, and so them. And then there's a whole host of other athletes and mindset people that you'd listen to, but probably that could be an hour long discussion in itself. Yeah. Okay. So um, nutrition has obviously always interested you. Um, it's something by by the sounds of things you know from just seeing you on your Instagram, both your Instagrams. You know, you clearly take your nutrition seriously. Um, have you dabbled with supplements? So I'm, I would say I, when I was back competing, I was probably taking the least supplements ever. So I went on to win, um, two, two, um, physique or fitness model competitions. And in the lead up to it, I had no whey protein, no creatine, no fat burners, nothing, almost nothing, you know, a, a Barocca, which at that point when I, you know, I was, I was three months in and I had lost 12 kilos and I put, there wasn't much of me to start with anyway. Um, so some days I would have the Barocca, even though I was falling into the trap a little bit of like, oh, it's just a, if anything, it just tastes nice. And when you're eating that low food, putting a Barocca in your water is just a nice thing to have. <laughs> What do you say then to all the, the athletes out there that think that supplements are as important as, as it's made out to be? If you can go on and achieve what you've yeah. achieved without taking supplements, what, what's I, the difference? I think, um, one, I never set out to do bodybuilding. It was very much like I was football. I got into bodybuilding. Someone said I should compete, but it was always like health first, competition second. And so they're definitely, if we're talking about elite, elite athletes, that's probably the area that's been better studied for supplements. So then we would talk about like caffeine, creatine, um, 
nitrates where there's definite evidence that if you're an elite athlete there's going to be benefit from then um but i just i i just i was quite lazy in my in my prepping i would literally set out this is what i need these are my meals each day and then weekly i would just cut my portions down leading up to a competition and that was pretty much it and so i was making sure i was getting a good variety each day so the diet health wise i was fine and then going from there so is there a genetic component to it as well are some people more genetically able to achieve the their goals or is do you think it was just being strict and healthy allowed you to get where you wanted to be anyway for oh yeah genetic and environment great question for bodybuilding specifically or for the need for supplements the bodybuilding yeah it's probably a two-part question yeah right okay so for bodybuilding i think there is a definite genetic element because it's a subjective sport i.e people are judging based on what you look like so for some people their their muscle insertion is going to be better so like if we were to go back to like arnold schwarzenegger and look at his biceps and his chest they just look better and famously people's calves might be small right and that's just to do with the length of their achilles tendon um and how far Uh, but then for need for supplements um definitely there'll be differences um in everyone um and that should all be a case by case basis so hopefully in this podcast we can talk about it in a much more uh range of ways rather than for any individual uh listen to that it's, i found the the bit where you were talking about when you were prepping i found that quite interesting because i i, I would say that from my experience and bear in mind um that i'm talking from a very sort of small element of experience that's almost the the opposite of the way most people would go about prepping for um something like that maybe not the, the opposite maybe is a bit extreme but they would heavily rely on supplements to help them get to that kind of um point in their training or in their physique um sorry um so i found that really interesting um did you have would you training or competing with anyone that might have been at that time doing you know the opposite almost 100 percent. i'm in the minority yeah Uh, yeah yeah um yeah i i think for my second the second competition I did, I didn't even have any, I, de- I decided I didn't really like coffee at that point. So I didn't even have, I wasn't having caffeine. Um, so, but then looking back, you know, maybe if I do another one, I could, I, well, I haven't trained much due to the pandemic and gyms being closed, but in looking back in hindsight, yeah, I probably could have been better if I had used creatine or caffeine or maybe rather than waiting to walk half an hour home from the gym, I'd had whey protein there and then um but i think that's that's an incredibly minimal portion compared to the other factors which are get up at 5 30 a.m and do a bit of cardio make sure your breakfast is good your hydration's good your training is rigorous um and consistent and that stuff as with that supplement pyramid the supplement is just that top those top few bricks of the pyramid yeah i think that's the the key i think that's that's where i was hoping to lead the conversation anyway i I remember listening to a podcast by mark bubs uh it's a great podcast by the way but i remember one of his guests talking about the benefits of protein when they really look at all of the literature out there it's probably 10 percent at most is that is that roughly what your what your awareness is yeah uh, and the protein supplements are uh are a good tool and the benefit of the pro of a whey protein tool over a a whole food tool is that the 
it has better convenience. So you don't have to cook it. You can just shake it. And that's great. Um, the, 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 the benefit of the whole food is you get all the other micronutrients that are going to come with it. Um, and I would just rather eat it. I never really became a huge advocate for it. Yeah, I've tried them all, but I'm not. That was it, really. Okay. Um, so what do you see um, as the role of a supplement? And I'm going to, I know we talk, spoke about athletes, but perhaps what would you see the role of a supplement um, in maybe a few different niche environments? So um, I would come from athlete, um, the lay person that uses the gym. And then maybe somebody with physical health condition, perhaps. Um, I'm just interested in where you would maybe see a supplement potentially okay, yeah. for those three sort of types of cases. Yeah. And importantly, who you're asking about the role, because um, the for, for the for the for the elite athlete, for what you said first, then there is a time and place where supplements are a tool that they could enhance their performance. Um, for the general population, they'll be looking at how can they optimise their health status. The people producing and selling will be trying to promote the need for them. And then for the people where there's a, an, a, a deficiency or they have a health condition, you first should be seeing a dietitian um to find out exactly what that condition is and how to how to go about fixing that and if a supplement's the right tool so the, the role of a supplement in general supplements originally were designed to fix nutrient deficiencies right so you're deficient in, an, in a nutrient so you have a supplement whereas now they're seen as a way of adding on to something that's already there so originally the the birth of basically the discovery of what would we would now be calling vitamins and micronutrients very very commonly would come from discovering of diseases so like scurvy like okay this is a disease what's wrong oh that they're missing something and the study of um scurvy discovery i think was one of the first nutrition controlled trials ever in 1757 in the royal navy they got a group of 12 sailors and gave split into two six different um interventions ranging from like half a pint of seawater a day um and then the two sailors who were given uh, two lemons and an orange after two weeks got better um actually then vitamin c wasn't discovered for like nigh on 200 years after that they thought that it was just an improvement in their in their conditions at the time um so there, a supplement would have been helpful for getting from insufficient you, you're, you're, or deficient. You have no vitamin C to then enough. Whereas now the supplement industry is, let's try and get even better what we already have enough of. And how do we, if we, so this, this season is all about the barriers that might be created by, um, for, for anyone on a health journey, what those barriers might be. And, and for me, that, that seems like a barrier that's created in some ways by the by these manufacturers saying well you're not going to be able to be healthy unless you have this additional supplement um is there an eth- ethical moral dilemma that's going on there with with these companies pushing supplements that are potentially unnecessary or excessive 
Yeah, d- um, d- uh, definitely. The supplement industry's re- regulations, you know, I haven't looked hugely into the politics and everything, but it's widely renowned as pretty questionable. Um, and there's a lot of verification stamps and like third party proof of quality supplements. Um, differs obviously from country, but maybe the bigger issue is who's verifying the verifier. In some t- some cases, you might be paying a lot for this quality approved stamp, but there might be different companies selling the quality approved stamp. Um, so, so who's looking at that? There are obviously some that are, are very good, and if you're in an if you're in an athlete, you should definitely look into that more because you could then end up where the regulation of the ingredients of the supplements. You know, you could easily end up going into the territory of using a banned substance. So you should look into that very very carefully. Um, in terms of the barriers to health, I think one thing is when you leave school or the general population you immediately will be very intrigued but also cautious of stuff you don't understand um and if you look at um the labels of a supplement and it's got like you know names that you don't know how to pronounce that are actually like biotin vitamin b7 or um uh riboflavin another b vitamin actually or vitamin c is ascorbic acid so these are just they just have other names um you'd be you could easily be seeing that as a barrier because you don't understand what it is and you think oh i, sh- I shouldn't eat, eat this because i don't know what it is actually it's just a fancy name for a vitamin right i didn't even know that so that, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah i'm learning already I, I think all vitamins seem to have other names as well yeah and i think um one of my bigger problems around supplements is that people see the supplements as the crucial part of their training when actually or the, or their health plan when actually there's probably other parts to that are much more important that i mean firstly doing the exercise in the first place or eating a, a good diet in the first place so what 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 would you say are the, are the times when that supplement use is important for a general person who's trying to get healthy okay yeah so um there's a few situations where a supplement would be um would be advised so in if you live uh, far enough north from the equator in the winter months you should have vitamin d um and that's because you can't uh, sort of between april to september we can get vitamin d from the sun after that obviously much much less sun and the uv rays change so it's like trying to put a playstation game in an xbox right you're, you're just not gonna synthesize vitamin d so well so that would be a time where vitamin D is going to go from we're not having enough to then we're getting enough rather than I've already got enough and then I want a bit more. Um, and then other examples of when evidence supported we should have it would be um, just when you're trying to conceive or during pregnancy should be having folic acid. Um, women quite commonly would need iron for iron deficiency anemia. Again, you should have a blood test. So uh, we're all physios. Um and we'd be very big on if any one of us gave a, pe- uh, a patient a treatment but couldn't give a rationale like, oh, OK, well, that 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 exercise will just be good. You need to expand more. What really grinds my gears is when someone, uh, a clinician or a friend has recommended a supplement based on it's got a great TV advert or something. There needs to be a little bit more of a a little bit more reasoning behind it. Um so yeah, they would they would be the times, and maybe iodine for people who've got a strict vegan no fish diet for improving thyroid function. 
Um, but I think, yeah, that would be the times where it's going to improve your health. And then other times, um, you know, if you happen to have a few days where for whatever reason, I think in, in we're very fortunate in the UK or in the, the developed world, if you happen to have a few days where you could get no fruit, vegetables or any food, I don't know if you were maybe like camping in the woods and you'd run out of all food, but you happen to have an effervescent multivitamin, you could say it becomes a valid thing. But if you've got a corner shop or a, any shop really, and you can get proper food, you're very likely to get most other micronutrients from your diet i think you mate you you raised something really um interesting there for me um i think this is verges on a little bit of um sort of psychology between peers and groups and whatnot um that comment that you know if somebody recommends something there should be a rationale behind it we've all had that kind of oh my friend told me to take this and and sometimes i find and it's and, and i can catch myself like this as well it's very easy to take a peer recommended uh, sorry, peer recommendation more seriously than you might take uh, something that you read just from uh, another person. I think this is really common in um, the supplement world or the what, what we're talking about. Is you know, it's very easy to kind of go to the gym and hear people say, you know, oh, are you what's up? What uh, protein are you having? Oh, I'm having uh, whey protein. Okay, where do you get it from? Oh, it's a I don't know. It's a, a named brand. Oh, why don't you try this one? This is the one that helped me gain mass when I was cutting or whatever. And you know, I think in this particular remit that peer interaction and recommendation seems really common and seems where people get a lot of their information from yeah well because we trust our peers so the same thing as a clinician we just want our patients to trust us and you trust your friends because they're your mates or you trust the people that you've got a good relationship with a huge thing that businesses will bang on about is give us a review on google so that people can see other people trust us um so this becomes particularly important um, and that would be applied across supplements and, and many other things as well. So I know that um, you mentioned actually in your in your last answer around vitamins and how there's potentially not as much value as the the companies would say there is. So what, when I learned in sports science, there was a lot of information around free radicals and how antioxidants help to neutralize free radicals, which reduces cell damage. And, and it, it made a lot of sense to me. And I thought, OK, well, I can really see the value there in vitamins is is it that the um that we're already getting enough that does that works on that process or is there something else going on something else more complicated where uh, it's not as simple as the free radical theory yeah so that free radical theory kind of uh started decades and decades ago um and the let's break it down the, the easiest way to think about free radicals it's all about oxidative stress so um think about like when fruit browns if you leave it out right that's oxidation um and it's all to do with um, molecules in the cells losing electrons. They become unstable and they go around and try and steal electrons, which are parts of the molecules from other things. Um, what what that way of thinking of there's these free radicals which go around causing damage to cells. And then there's these magic things, antioxidants that stop it. That makes the antioxidant a thing. Whereas think of the antioxidant as a, Think of antioxidants as, as an adject as a description, right? You, rather than a thing. Um, and it's just about the the spectrum of where whereas originally the free radicals, it's like you've got more free radicals than you have antioxidants, and antioxidants are vitamins A, C, E, selenium, micronutrients that you would supplement. 
if you look at the big observational studies, which like most of nutrition is, so you're just looking at big amounts of data, the people who eat a larger variety, more frequency, bit more portions over a longer time of fruit and vegetables would show lower oxidative stress uh, and 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 all the uh, the benefits that go with that. Um, so then you go to the next level of evidence, which is an RCT. Um, or a cohort study and then they go right well let's look specifically at, at one measure and supplement one micronutrient which is one of a whole host so then you're you're just rather than you're taking that thing rather than a description of things and then because there's null findings because it's like you're, you've got someone who maybe has a broken arm broken leg and dislocated shoulder and you're just giving them the remedy for one part of that you go, oh, well, that treatment didn't really do much, did it? But because you haven't got the whole thing. And so then the null findings lead to this other opposite mentality that, okay, well, that that's no, because that's a higher form of evidence, that's no longer important. So maybe antioxidants aren't important. Whereas actually, maybe we could just accept that the best thing is the populations who eat the bit, the, the biggest variety of fruit and veg, they do the best, not the ones who take that individual supplement. So there's probably a, a much more complicated process going on that just requires an overall broad healthy diet instead yes. of an individual supplement to yeah. do that. Yeah, and and little things are like examples of like in citrus fruits, um, vitamin C is an antioxidant because it, it neutralizes the free radical, gives away its electron. You know, and then in citrus fruits, there's a compound that basically reactivates that vitamin C. So it's like the the guy at half time at football running on with the oranges and a water bottle gives vitamin c their power back which you obviously wouldn't have um and then uh it makes it way way more useful okay interesting so um multivitamins um perhaps this is worth talking from a few different angles um the reason i bring multivitamins up is uh partly this whole um you know, free radicals and all that stuff. You need to get your vitamins in and whatnot. Um, and also from my own sort of selfish perspective, whilst I've got you here, um, I've always been recommended, so I have Crohn's disease um, and there is a, a huge, you know, it's a very high number in terms of um, those with IBD um, and uh, malnutrition or sort of low absorption for vitamins, for instance. And I've always thought like, well, low absorption, um, try and eat a healthy diet. Maybe I just need more. So take a multivitamin, for instance, and I'm not necessarily uh, going to ask you to go into the sort of literature behind IBD and whatnot, because that's a whole different thing. Um, but I'm interested in like multivitamins, because I'd say that's probably the most common supplement people are likely to access. Um, I might be wrong there, but it seems like one of the most common ones. So let's talk a bit about multivitamins. Yeah. Um, so multivitamins are kind of they people think of them as this like insurance policy which is a weird way of thinking about your body like oh, i'll have this blanket insurance policy and i've fallen into that trap as well like when i was doing my competing oh, okay i'll have a i'll have a multivitamin and that's that insurance policy but then we've got to think also well if you're already getting enough in your diet enough is enough um and there doesn't really seem much um reason to have any more multivitamins are a really nice idea i think in the human brain it's like a really simple i can put this one tablet in my water and it just gives me everything um but then if you if you look at the label there's all these huge you know, four five six hundred percent of your day r and i 
that's because the synthetic form maybe you wouldn't absorb as much as the natural form so that skews that a little bit um so it's kind of like okay i'll just have this insurance policy which will then at at at, at, at worst it will do no harm but maybe if you're having an insurance policy every day it might start to do harm um because you you just don't need it if you've already getting that enough from food um multivitamins are a, a, they're also well one very easy to access so i think it's not so much with with stuff like this maybe more with other other supplements as well it's not so much that it it's not a problem that there are multivitamins available like this it's a good thing like you know you'll have a a, a health guru walk through uh, a supermarket and they'll walk past frozen pizzas um ice cream chocolate the bakery section and not bat an eyelid and then they'll scour at the multivitamin section and go oh well these shouldn't be here but actually it's you know we live in a world right, right now we could get dominoes to this door in under 20 minutes probably uh takeaway pizza it's not a bad chef as well around here yeah yeah <laughs> so we could get that right right here um but dominoes aren't claiming that it's going to be this huge benefit for all. So it's the more the message that goes with it. So with multivitamins, I would say just use it as a tool. Like think about when are the times when a multivitamin might be a good idea. So you're going on a long haul flight that day and you know, I know flying is not a hugely active uh, industry at the moment. You're going on a long haul flight and you know your diet might not be so good. As a one-off, a multivitamin could be a good idea for that one-off insurance policy, but we don't want to take out that insurance policy every single day. So if we're, we're looking at it uh, as a general piece of advice for listeners, then it's it's not you don't need to be taking it every single day if you're eating a, a reasonably healthy diet. And it also shouldn't be seen as um, a replacement for a healthy diet. So you can't just eat whatever you want and then take a multivitamin because you're then not getting the, the original yeah. form of that. Yeah, and also with... With, with most things, it's an inverted U. So it's a horseshoe shape on the graph. So, um, uh, well, uh, yeah, a horseshoe shape. Um, so if you're very, very low in in terms of your level of an intake of a nutrient, then your, your physiological function is poor. And then in your optimum range, it's very good. And then if you go over that, it's very not so good again so tell us a bit about that then tell us a bit about what the potential harm might be from overtaking from, from taking too ma- too many so um there could be toxicity so you have too much so this would be more common in with uh vitamins as water soluble and fat soluble so um uh vitamin d and k would be your fat soluble ones so these are ones that require um lipids they require fat to be transported in the bloodstream to be stored in the fat so um vitamin d for instance if you know if you're if well if you have a high body fat percentage then the vitamin d can get stored away in your in your body fat which is quite interesting a lot of people don't know so you actually your body sees less of it so when you have too many too many um hypervitaminosis a i believe is quite common so that would be Vitamin A is quite uh, quite a big feature of um, of multivitamins, and when you have too much, you'd start to get um, start to get just symptoms of not so good physiological function. Um, I heard on uh, a Food for Thought podcast they the the person on there talked about um, 
think of it as like if you've already got enough it's like a bus full and it's just that um like the standing section at the bus if you have the multivitamin they're all trying to cram on trying to get that one space but inevitably loads is going to get messed out and it's going to make the journey not as good for everyone else on the bus um that's kind of a really simplistic way of, of, of thinking about it i like that uh yeah, so an interesting one with the vitamin D actually was a, a case report I read recently about uh, two two residents in a nursing home who I, th- I think they accidentally got given two million IU of vitamin D, and normally you need four hundred IUs, uh, and I think ten thousand would be about like the toxicity, and they had two million. Um, so other than setting off the alarm bells, that then led them to let's track. And I think after 14 days, obviously they gave them no more vitamin D. Uh, I think after 14 days, their levels were back down to like almost undetectable, like normal, right? So your body's probably very resilient to that. So I think of it more as the, in terms of that inverted U, you, can, you could be in that that up a bit where you've got a bit too much excess for a very short period and that's fine um but if you're cr- you're chronically there so you're there for a long time like the same with the the oxidative stress um idea is it's a spectrum and you want to be in in the the healthy part of it uh, and if you're always you know you're if you're if you're taking that multivitamin um too much too often eventually it's just it's not going to be any good that's great. So from that, like uh, a learning point, I suppose for me is like more, more is not more in this instance, you know, taking more doesn't necessarily equal better health. Um, I'd like to sort of, because I think this is something that uh, we've all probably thought about in all sorts of warps of su- supplements and whatnot and, and, and food as such, you know, we know that um, there's good food or better quality food, sorry, um, depending sometimes on price. What about supplements? So, you know, we're talking about, okay, not taking too much, or maybe you don't need to take it all the time. Um, But I I always hear people say, oh, you know, I get my, I'm going to use multivitamin as an example, uh, but I spend X amount on it rather than the one at Tesco, which is a quarter of that price. Surely that's better. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I think that, yeah, if, if they've got added, added ingredients, yes then maybe there's some benefit if you need to take them at all. But then we're kind of skipping out the argument of, well, the times where universally we could say supplements are needed are vitamin D in winter months if you live above 35 degrees latitude of the equator or so far enough from the equator. Um, iron, um, iodine potentially if you've got thyroid issues and a strict diet, uh, folic acid obviously with pregnancy. If, you, if we're then going straight to, well, I buy a more expensive supplement, you've kind of just forgotten about that previous discussion and just like, well, it's better, so it must be better. Whereas if enough is enough, expensive enough is still enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Or cheap, 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 cheap excess or expensive excess is still excess. Yeah. Um, so that's probably quite a good message. So I, I guess if, if you are going to take it, like my, I would say you like, I have a pack of Barocca at home, but which is what 10, 10 multivitamin vitamin effervescence, so dissolve in water. Um, and I've maybe got four left and I probably bought it at some point like mid last year. So that's probably the rate that going through that sort of thing for someone that's got a healthy diet might be okay. 
so my my wife would always when she goes away on these business trips where she knows there's going to be a load of boozing going on and yeah. she's going to be traveling that's when she takes them and she takes yeah. them in the morning before a, a big day yeah uh, potentially where she's maybe not going to be eating super healthily um, is, is that kind of what you mean yeah yeah I, yeah i guess so because um because it seems so the thing with people is we do like to polarize things so there's a very strong view that the supplement industry is bad and that everyone it's all marketed and that's kind of you know i think we've looked at it very middle ground and then so the opposite is whoa that you know they're making these outrageous health claims well they're not really outrageous they're just trying to sell their they're trying to sell their product as everyone else in the world's trying to get on um and so so for your wife there that would probably seem like you know it's not all the time as long as she's not on a business trip six days out of seven every week 50 odd weeks of the year then it's going to be okay you know the human body's clever it can it would and that would be and also then if it makes her perform better at the business meetings and feel better the next morning after having too many drinks she swears by it then so it's fine yeah yeah then 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 there's a time and place for it for sure So that brings it brings an end to part one and in the next episode we'll be talking about when to take su- supplements, when we shouldn't bother taking any supplements uh, and we also discuss whether Haribo is a, a, a worthy gym supplement uh, and we'll also talk a bit about fish oils and whether they have any benefit for, uh, for, for the health of our joints. So we look forward to having you back for part two. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe and give us a five-star rating. We'll keep bringing you the gold. Follow us on Instagram at the.healthspace and for any questions or ideas for future content, email us at thehealthspace.co at gmail.com.